Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1920. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in beautiful San Francisco, California, with a very special guest by the name of Douglas Gorney. Hey, Doug, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I am ready to release the clutch. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. It's great to be here. You're welcome. We're going to have some fun. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we talk about your career, your beautiful artwork, your passion for cars... What's one little thing that most people may not know about you, Doug? Well, we were just talking about a, a friend of yours who uh, went on and became an actor. I, I too, had a, uh, a little sideline as an actor at one point. And um, my, my biggest starring role was in a commercial for Sears Point Raceway Ooh. where I played a Hare Krishna. <laughs> This now is that, a very high concept commercial by this by this weird San Francisco ad agency. Yeah, featured a Hare Krishna. There was a a Scottish bagpiper and a Mexican luchador, and they were the stars of the commercial. So, oh, that okay. that was that's my big claim to fame. I'm trying to understand how on earth those characters relate because I've raced what was called the old Sears Point, wonderful track. Right, in Infineon or whatever it's called now. Yeah, Sonoma. it's a great track, but I'm trying to figure out, okay, is that still somewhere on YouTube? Um, I don't know. I should I should try to find it. It, it, was, it was funny, but as you can imagine, bizarre. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Well, coming from San Francisco, where, you know, there's a little bit bizarre in San Francisco, right? It's a bit eclectic, a bit unique, yeah. and so forth. Uh, I, I, what comes to mind is a great shot of Haight-Ashbury back in the day of a rock star walking down the street, a bunch of hippies, as they called them back in the day, and, and one of them was a Hare Krishna walking down the street. Uh, so, yep. yeah, I can kind of see that. Okay, okay. Well, I'll have to dig that up. If you find that, let me know. Okay. <laughs> I'll put, I sure will. I'll put it on your show notes page. Douglas Gorney is an artist living in San Francisco. While his useful dreams of becoming a car designer may not have come true, Doug eventually got a start in art school. And then after 30 years of teaching meditation, ghostwriting, and directing a marketing and branding for a series of tech startups and being a Hare Krishna on a commercial, mm -hmm. he got more serious about his passion for creating art. Doug works primarily in watercolor and ink. He captures San Francisco architecture architecture, street scenes, and particularly its re-emerging car culture. We'll learn more about Doug and the fun he's having there with his work and his art, but first a word from our valued sponsors. So give him a little love and we'll be right back. We are in San Francisco, the summer of love. Okay, kind of makes sense. We'll be right back. My friends at Covercraft offer you 10 different options. That's right, 10 for your vehicle's protection. You can choose from WeatherShield HP, HD, Sunbrella, Ultratect, Reflect, FormFit, Custom View Shield, and their newest five-layer all-climate cover, three-layer moderate climate cover, and a five-layer indoor option. You have all sorts of ways to protect your car. All of these are custom-tailored by Covercraft's 
talented craftspeople. It's the form and fit with the quality to attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Surface protection is the best way to preserve the investment you've made in your vehicles. It's what I do. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. I have a Covercraft cover for every one of my vehicles, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your order, plus you get free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day, and he asked me about American Collectors Insurance. He said, While I listen to you on Cars Yeah, you're always talking about agreed value collector car insurance. Well, I insure all my cars on my regular auto insurance policy, and I've done it for years. Why use a different company for my collector cars? I get a multi-car discount. Isn't that good enough? I suggested he call his carrier and ask how much he would get if his collector car was totaled or stolen. He called back and said, boy, that was a scary conversation. Their value of my car wasn't even close to what it's really worth. Thank you for the education, Mark. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you receive with an agreed value policy. American Collectors Insurance has been protecting enthusiasts since 1976. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green's at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. They're the ones that insure my car. That's American Collectors Insurance. So, Doug, we're back. So let's dive a little deeper into the corner. I'd love for you to kind of walk us through this journey of art because I've had hundreds of artists on the show. I grew up in a very artistic family. My father was an architect. There was always easels in our house. He was always encouraging us to create things. I went to school, studied graphic design and advertising. So art is very special. In my home, all the walls have art from past guests who've been on the show here. My wife's a saint. She lets me put car art up all over my house. So uh, she just says, oh, another car picture. That's nice, dear. Mm Kind of walk us through your journey, would you? Sure. As you indicated in your overview of my career, it's it's been um, been a somewhat multifaceted career, or you might say circuitous. I had worked for a series of of tech startups, as you as you mentioned, and um, the last one, uh, fintech play and the uh, in the alternative financial services space uh, folded. I was kind of burned out. On, on the whole marketing thing, and um, I had been um, I had been starting to sketch again, as you mentioned. I went to art school like a, a million years ago, <laughs> and uh, but but had hadn't really even picked up a pencil in like thirty years. Then um, my father, who uh, was a very accomplished surgeon, he had had a stroke. Uh, unfortunately, one of the one of the the things he could still do though was was art. So in order to have something to do with him, he was a pretty talented artist. So sort of an, an occupational therapy approach, I got a sketchbook, got a pencil, just to be able to sketch with him. And that was really a sweet, sweet thing to do in his, in his final years. And then I uh, was staying with him in, in Napa to help him and his wife out. Then uh, moved back to San Francisco, but, 
but kept at it, kept sketching. I had moved to the Sunset District, the west side of San Francisco, and something about the whole look and feel out here really inspired me and um, just started just sketching street scenes and put them up on the on the local Facebook group. People liked them, and I even got uh, offers, uh, requests for commissions. People saying, would you sketch my house? I'll pay you. You'll pay me? Bonus. And so it kind of snowballed, and uh, now that's my, my full-time gig. It's one of these cases of uh, doing, finding finding your your dharma, if you will, finding what it is you were supposed to be doing, even though it took me a long time to sort of get around to it. You know, it's a wonderful story because you, you went to school at the Art Institute of Chicago, correct? That's right. Yeah. And then uh, University of California, Berkeley. Before that, I believe? That's correct. I was uh, I I was uh, majoring in history at UC Berkeley and, and sort of casting about where you know, I liked history, but is I going to be a history professor? Are you going to be a lawyer? Nah, I don't know. So I took a, and then I took a uh, an art class on on a lark. Actually, it was a sculpture class. And my my sculpture teacher pulled me aside and said, "You know, you're really good at this. You should consider doing this for a living." And I was like, "It's a sign. That's what I meant to do." So I I went on from after graduating from UC Berkeley, I went on to uh, to art school first at. California College of the Arts and and then transferred to the Art Institute of Chicago and I was really enjoying it but um but then you know life life will always throw you left turns and um I uh became really interested in uh, meditation which you were mentioned which you mentioned as well I had been doing that for a number of years and decided, no, what I really want to do is I want to become a meditation teacher. So I finished at, <laughs> at the Art Institute and then um, and then plunged deep into meditation and was doing that full time for 10 years, um, teaching the Transcendental Meditation Program. Um, and then um, uh, I came out of that because I needed to make some money, came out of full time TM teaching um, and uh, got into the marketing thing. It seemed like a natural fit for me. And, and then only... Recently, fairly recently, the art thing really reemerged, and uh, but I, I really had the fire in the belly for it this time, and I uh, it was clear that this is this is what I'm meant to be doing. Well, it you know it's life is interesting because some people go through life doing one thing their whole life. That's it, and they may enjoy it, may be great, but there's so much more. It, it's obviously life is like a diamond. There's many facets and there's all sorts of opportunities. And Cars Yeah, when I created this was all around my mantra of inspiring automotive enthusiasts, people who've wrapped their passion for automobiles and somehow figured out a way to take that passion and make a living at it. When our, our, our mutual friend, Gary Foster, who's been a guest on the show, introduced me to you, he said, you know, Doug is a really cool guy and he's starting to get back into his passion for cars and doing some work on cars. So I looked at your website and I went, okay, I love architecture. My father was an architect, he, you know, and I see San Francisco. It's where my wife and I honeymooned and my son lives there with his wife. And I went, okay, I see what's going on. And then I started seeing your cars and went, all right, I got to have this guy on my show. So uh, before I ask you about your passion for cars, though, I have to ask you this. Meditation has been something that so many people who've been on my show have talked about. I have tried and tried to figure out how to do it. And I can't get my mind to clear. Now, we could probably talk for an hour about this topic, but if you could offer me maybe one brief, and I may, I don't mean to, to minimize the importance of meditation because I think it could help me a lot. How do I clear my head, Doug? Well, 
One of the reasons that I learned TM in the first place, and this was, I was, I was basically a, a kid then. I was in, uh, I was uh, 13 years old, and um, it was something that uh, that was going to be able to help me clear my mind and also develop better focus and be a better student. Which you know, I, I, I like to think that I'm, I've got some smarts. But they never quite translated into my report card. I was always, I was never the best student. I mean, my mind was always wandering. I was, I was always wanting to do something else than, than my homework and my focus in class would drift. When I did learn the technique, which was, um, which was super simple and simple and pleasant enough that it inspired me to, to keep at it, I noticed that my grades started getting better. Mm-hmm. Which sounds, you know, this sounds kind of like just a line, but it's it's really true that uh, my my grades did get better, and um, I had a reasonably distinguished high school career. So uh, just noticing that my grades were getting better, and also my health was improving. I, I was I was uh, not exactly a sickly child, but um, I get cold and strep throat and tonsillitis. I got mononucleosis twice. You're only supposed to be able to get it once. Oh gosh, and. Uh, but and I was always out for like weeks uh, from school. But right away, I just started getting healthier and and not getting sick anymore. You know the occasional seasonal flu that everyone gets. But so I figured, okay, I'm getting better grades. I'm not getting sick, and I'm not worried about stuff so much. This is something that I should keep doing. Now that's I know not exactly an answer to your question, but. It was something that was just so easy to do, so simple that um, the whole the whole thing was quite compelling, and that's why I've kept doing it and and uh, done it regularly for now going on well over thirty five years. And um, uh, and as far as how you clear your head, all, all I know is this one meditation practice. This is all I've ever done. It's very much its its own its own thing. Um, there's, a, there's a certain instruction that you're given in transcendental meditation. And it's super simple. It's just a way to let your active mind uh, quiet down and just naturally go to quieter and quieter levels of thinking until it settles down completely. And of course, one has thoughts and meditation and, and then the mind will settle down again. But um, the practice is, is so natural. It's like you know how to do it already. But you do need to be given that instruction, that right start to put your mind in the direction of following its own natural tendency to go to quieter states. Mm -hmm. So my best suggestion for you in finally answering your question (laughs) would be check out Transcendental Meditation um, to go to an introductory lecture. And if you like it, uh, learn it. It's a simple course taught in four sessions of about an hour and a half each over four days and then there's a lifetime follow-up program just to make sure you're you're getting the most out of your meditation which you can take advantage of and um it's a simple practice you do in a chair twice daily 20 minutes morning and evening and um i've certainly gotten my money's worth so i recommend it now that said there are so many different kinds of meditation and i know people who do other kinds of meditation and get get a lot of benefits and and a lot of enjoyment for that so i just think it's important to be doing something going inside a little bit you know we're always pulled outside in this day and age there's so much information Mm -hmm. there's so much stimulus but if we can have something that just lets us go inside and be quiet 
it's of it's of such great value. Um, and this this meditation is one that's really worked for me because it is so simple. It is so easy, yeah. and really, it's really pleasant to do. It's like a little vacation twice a day. <laughs> well, you're telling me basically it's like racing. It's seat time. You have to practice. It's like learning an instrument or a craft like artwork. You have to practice at it. It doesn't just immediately come on and you're all of a sudden a master at it. Well, I would add that um, or amend that slightly uh, in that it's something that is so astonishingly easy and ridiculously simple. I know I've taught people and it's like, Wow, it just kind of happens, doesn't it? Hmm. And and they're really often surprised by that, you know, and pleasantly so, thinking that this is you know this is something that's going to require a great deal of concentration. It's going to be Zen practice, and I really have to to concentrate at it and be very disciplined with it, uh, and then maybe I'll get some results years down the road. But right from the first meditation, you just in, in the most effortless way, and it really only works because it's effortless, you just notice that the mind settles down and uh, quite independent from any thoughts you might have about it, like, oh, this is not going to work. I could never do this. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that kind of guy. That really you have the ability within you for the mind to just settle down and the, the physiology to quiet down. Heart rate decreases, the breath rate decreases, your blood chemistry changes. And that all happens completely naturally. Uh, just with the with the instructions. So basically, right from the first meditation, you'll uh, you'll notice some results and some benefits, and uh, it can be quite a dramatic contrast. Even just getting that little bit of and having the ability to settle down and go within twice a day. So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't take a, a long time to uh, for for the benefits to show up or to be able to do it. You really it's something you can already do, and just having the instruction that you'll. Uh, people respond to it right away. There you go. Well, the the people I've talked to who practice that TM, uh, it's have said very, very healthy and good for them, and it makes sense to me. So uh, I will seek out some advice and help. It sounds like that's the first step. Let's talk about cars a little bit. Since Let's we are cars, cars, yeah, versus TM, tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about your passion for automobiles and how you brought that back into your art. Well, you know, I have always been a car guy and San Francisco was actually a great place to grow up as a car person or maybe it's a place that turned me into a car person. San Francisco always has had more so than I think just about any other place in the US a strong um imported car presence. Even back in the 60s when I grew up, you saw a lot of English cars, French cars, German cars, Italian cars, even some of the early Japanese cars because they were small. You know, it's, it's a fairly compact city. Mm -hmm. It's a city where parking can be challenging. So small cars were prized. And it's also a fairly cosmopolitan city where you'd have people driving weird cars like Citroëns or Lancias. And particularly the neighborhood where I grew up, Telegraph Hill and North Beach, you had a lot of bohemian people who were, I think, attracted to those kinds of cars. My dad, actually, after 
a series of, of GMs, you know, he has Pontiac and an Oldsmobile and a Chevy Camaro. Cool cars. But finally, he got his dream car. He got a 1969 Mercedes 280SL, one of those Pagodas. Oh, yeah. And he loved that car. And unfortunately, in his senior years, he, he sold it rather than passing it on to me, <laughs> which I was a little <laughs> bit put off by. He said, son, you couldn't even afford the star in the grill. Oh, no, thanks, Dad. <laughs> Yeah, and he was right. <laughs> At the time, I was, you know, I was doing some some full time kind of semi volunteer meditation activity, and um, I said, "Well, yeah, you're probably right about that." But wow, <laughs> yeah. it was a cool car. Anyway, just growing up in that environment, I I got really interested in cars. My dad was also a car guy. Fed that by getting me a subscription to Road and Track magazine when I was nine years old, maybe ten, mm. and um, so I was probably the youngest subscriber to Road and Track. But wow, that was a big influence too. Just every month that thing would arrive. Oh wow! I'd lock myself in my room and I'd catch up on what was going on at Le Mans and what was going on at Targa Florio and who won the Dutch Grand Prix and you know seeing the latest exploits of Jim Clark or my my hero Dan Gurney. So I uh, and whenever I could, I, I watched I watched racing and I had racing posters all over my uh, wall. So that was a, a big exciting thing for me. And and also the the whole I think I, I mentioned Road and Track because the art director of Road and Track for many years, from 1959 all the way up to the 90s, was a guy named William Mota, Bill Mota, and he became the um, after freelancing for them he became eventually the art director and really helped to create the whole look of road and track and all the wonderful illustrations in oh, the magazine Oh yeah yeah i love his yeah. art yeah exactly which were so influential to me just looking at these things they you know when you're young everything you see and hear and smell and taste really resonates in a way that that it doesn't so much when you're growing up but it really sticks so that whole look of cars and car culture, the whole image of cars was became really resonant for me. As we've talked about, art kind of, I sort of stepped away from art for many years. But when I came back to it, mostly through architecture, as you said, I uh, stumbled onto cars. I'm uh, sort of, I was going to talk about this later, but we'll, we'll hit on it now. One of, the, one of the things I do, one of the ways in which I kind of give back to the community is I, I organized, uh, founded a group called the Sunset Sketchers. And every week I organize a, a sketching meetup uh, for people who, artists and artists and just enthusiasts um, who want to do urban sketching. So we meet up at, at different sites, mostly on the west side of San Francisco, and maybe uh, Golden Gate Park to sketch the botanical gardens or some uh, some iconic architectural uh, area with like iconic sunset district houses. But one of the things that we've been doing is going to the SFOB uh, Hot Rods Customs Classics meetup. Mm. And that's held once a month on the Great Highway, which is the strip. It's basically PCH for my for my Southern for our Southern California listeners. And it runs right along the beach. Uh, here in the, at the west side of San Francisco. So they have a, a wonderful collection of cars from all over Northern California. A lot of, uh, lot of cars from the uh, 50s, 40s, 60s, even as, you know, souped up Model A's. And uh, they're all such iconic, eye-catching and sketchable cars. 
So we go out there, we, we become big fans of this meat, and they become big fans of ours, of the Sunset Sketchers. And I found that um, that love of, of car and car art that I had from my childhood really came back in a big way. And uh, so I've been uh, sketching cars, not just there, but elsewhere on the street and uh, really finding an, uh, an affinity for them and seemingly an ability to, to do them pretty well. Yeah. And my family has become really, really excited about that, about my car art. My sister, who's one of my big fans, says, you know, you should really, your cars are so great. You got to do these cars as as greeting cards and and get them out there because people will buy them they're fantastic so i'm i'm excited about that i mean there are only so many hours in a day and i've got i've got other architectural commissions to work on but i i really want to be uh doing more with uh with automotive art bill mont i had arranged for him to be a guest of my show we lost him back in i think it was january february 2020 right and uh he was scheduled several times he was not doing that well towards the end of his life and kept having to cancel and then he passed i was so upset because i'd remembered his art from when i was a kid as well Uh, and i went man i really wanted and i've got one of his pieces of art in my home and i was really frustrated that i didn't get him on the show but he left a wonderful legacy that's for sure uh he just created some great things but i'm glad you brought cars back into your architecture and combine those two it's an exciting combination for for me having a father who was an architect and who loved cars uh, oh great brings back some great memories too we'll take a short break we come back i want to talk about have you talk about a big challenge you faced in either sure. your life or career so sit tight and we'll be right back here at cars yeah it's all about inspiration and our charity of choice is tech force foundation where it's all about making a positive difference in young people's lives TechForce helps young adults discover their talents and passions for all things automotive with a mission of helping students develop a career as a professional technician. TechForce awards nearly $2 million in scholarships every year for students to pursue technical education and they support hands-on activities, events, and mentorships across the country, working to change the outdated perceptions of these careers. Autotechs are in high demand, but the supply of qualified technicians is critically short. They need your help to fuel their mission. Learn more and join me in supporting them at techforce.org. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So we're back. So let's talk about a big obstacle, challenge, failure. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's more important of the lesson it taught you so you can move forward in a very positive way. So take us on that journey, if you would. 
Sure. Well, it's really kind of, that brings us up to the present moment. As I mentioned, I had this, uh, this tech startup that I was working with very closely. A friend of mine had started it and we just ran out of funding and had to shut it down. And so that was kind of sad. And uh, plus I was out of work again, but I had, uh, I had this sketching thing that already had started back up again in my life. And I started thinking, you know, sometimes you just have these thoughts that come up, these sort of like dangerous thoughts. It's like dangerous thoughts. There's a title to a book. What if you did that? Yep. I like, no, 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 that's not, that's not a sensible idea. Don't, let's not have that idea. Quiet now. <laughs> and, uh, but I kept thinking, what if you did art? Mm-hmm. It's like, you've always really wanted to do art, but you've never actually let yourself do it. Mm. What if you did art? No, 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 no. Come on. That's, that's ridiculous. But having, starting to have those thoughts, starting to let that desire kind of uh, emerge. It's like the universe kind of overheard that conversation and started throwing stuff at me. And uh, I got these commissions, as I mentioned, um, which helped me to do art. And I, I got actually a show pretty early on at a new emerging gallery downtown. And the, the thing kept building until pretty soon I had to bow to the inevitable and say, okay, I guess I'm going to be an artist <laughs> now. So there was a bit of a challenge, you know, just losing, losing the startup. And, um, but it was also a challenge deciding to become an artist in one of the most expensive cities in the country, yeah. if not the no world. Kidding. Yeah. So that was kind of a kamikaze pivot to do that. <laughs> kamikaze. And, you got some good book titles going here. Kamikaze yeah, pivot. The Kamikaze pivot. That would be a good business book, wouldn't it? Yes. Well, uh-huh. I have to put that on my list of projects. It hasn't been easy. I've had to learn a lot on the fly because the very medium that I'm working in, watercolor, I always kind of, you know, I've always been an okay draftsman, drew well enough and, and dabbled in watercolor, but it had never really been a, a medium that I put a lot of focus on. As I mentioned, my when I went to art school, um, I don't know if, really if I mentioned this, but my focus was in sculpture. I was going to be a sculptor. And of course, you do a lot of drawing and, and some painting to, to aid your sculpture, mm-hmm. uh, how, you, how you see things. But um, here I was doing representational stuff in a, in a medium that I, that I wasn't super familiar with. So I kind of had to learn the medium on the fly. I had to learn Again, what it was like to make things with my hands after having been so digitally focused for a number of years doing marketing for tech companies, you know, just basically writing on a computer as so many of us do um, to actually step away from a computer and, and make something with my hands. That was a that was a challenge. And, and of course, the finances of it were and continue to a certain extent to be to be challenging. And there were there have been uh, months when it wasn't clear exactly where rent was was going to come from. But um, I just decided, you know, this is sort of my my this is, I think, the thing that I was meant to do. And I, I'm really going to try to make this work. So I've just I've stuck with it. And um, and the more I find that I really just focus on it, believe in it, and apply myself to the task, the more that life just puts stuff in front of me and uh, makes it possible for me to continue, puts new opportunities in, in front of me. I guess the, the lesson that I'm, that I'm learning now, this is very much a, so your question is, is very relevant to me. It's a very current situation, is just um, follow your passion, you know, really follow your dream and, and believe in it. 
and um, that um, the universe will, will create opportunities for you to succeed. What you focus on grows, what you yeah. think about expands, yeah. and what you dwell upon determines your destiny. Beautifully said. Well, Robin S. Sharma said that, actually, but I will use it from him because it works perfectly for what you just described. Well, you know, I guess I just I'd heard things like that, but I, I maybe it was a question of not having, you know, I, I would I was reasonably successful as a as a as a writer, as a copywriter. But um, and while it was something I could do, it wasn't necessarily something that was really um, what I um, what was me? Uh, that wasn't a very elegant way of putting it, but <laughs> it was. It wasn't. It wasn't my. It wasn't my dream. It wasn't my my passion. I. You know, there's part of me that is a writer, and at a certain point, I'd I'd like to marry my my writer side to my artist side. But um, to do something that was really more personal to me um, was a new was a new thing, and um, so that's when I discovered the truth in those sayings of, of uh, Mr. Sharma's. Perfect for what you describe. Well, it's what, again, this show's all about, people finding their passion and figuring out a way to wrap your career into it and make some money from it, of course. We need to do that. And uh, yeah. sometimes it takes a lot of dire direction focus, sometimes a lot of setbacks, but uh, it sounds like you're on a good track. But yeah, I definitely want to see that book from you, A Kamikaze Pivot, uh, coming <laughs> to the bookshelf real soon. Let's talk about it. It's going to be a graphic novel, I think. A graphic novel. There you go. I like that even or, more. Or maybe a graphic memoir. Yeah. Okay, there you go. There's a challenge for you. You know, I like to talk about special vehicles in my guest lives. You talked about your dad's 280SL, the Pagoda. What a wonderful car. Is there a special vehicle other than that one in your past? You know, I at one point had a 1967 Dodge Coronet 440. Okay. Convertible. Nice. Midnight blue, white interior, Krager mags, a really nicely aged glass pack muffler you know it only had a 318 the 440 was kind of a a branding tag but um still plenty powerful what a car love that car <laughs> well not, not the most practical car for san francisco so eventually i did have to sell it just because it the upkeep and the parking and everything was just getting a bit much but i love that car and i drove that car from arizona where i bought it to uh uh, through uh, Monument Valley and many parts of the of the, the Wild West to San Francisco and um, and so I, I there's some good times with that car and wow it was great stuff. Well, the convertible is a classic, and you get into the didn't they have like the RT? Was that a wasn't that a yeah the RT yeah the RT was the the the, the hot rod the RT came stock with with the 440 Magnum engine, ah. but you could get the uh, the the Hemi. With it, yeah. the 14 Hemi. Well, I can envision that with the Krager wheels and the red uh, out the red sidewall car, you know, tires from the 60s, which yeah. uh, went on to be on all the Hot Wheels, the red lines, as they call them, uh, which are great, uh, known yeah. on the GTOs, of course, and so forth. But yeah, that's a classic one. But tough car to maneuver around San Francisco. Kind of a kind of a big car for a convertible, but classic. It was enormous. It's yeah. 17 feet long, yep. and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but but such fun and a real and a real eye catcher too. Yeah, very cool. I'm going to be your car psychologist here today. If you okay. were manifest as a vehicle, this should be a good answer because you're a creative guy. What would Doug be? But more importantly, why? You know, I've I've thought about that. I thought about that sometimes, and my answer may surprise you, but I think that I would be a Jensen GT. 
Now, the Jensen GT is a little bit of an obscure car. Yeah. I'm an obscure yeah. guy, so that's that's right there. We're, we're on to something. But yeah. it's basically it's the shooting brake version of the Jensen Healy, the shooting brake in you know, a station wagon. Um, they didn't make a, a lot of them, but uh, it was a pretty cool-looking car. And um, so the reason I think that I would be that car is because stylish and maybe not that practical. It had a Lotus... A Lotus engine, Lotus Four, probably be in the shop a lot. <laughs> yeah, so, like every day. <laughs> maybe when you could drive it. Yeah. So yeah, so it's like, but it was trying something new. It was mm-hmm. thinking out of the box. Yeah. When it did go, it performed well. So I, uh, not that I'm in the shop all the time, and my health is pretty good, but just that uh, sometimes I'm not all that practical. Uh, <laughs> this whole this whole decision to live in San Francisco and in my fifties become a full-time artist yeah why not it sounds like the the 60s reliving itself the 70s you know the the whole thing that car what's interesting about that car to me is it reminds me a lot of the bmw z3 or z3 which they called the clown shoe car yes you know it has that look but it's more stretched out i think bmw maybe did a little better job from the design standpoint you would yeah yeah well it's german so you know everything's spit spot there but uh i had a friend in high school whose sister her father was a doctor had a lot of money and so he bought them cars she got the first 320 bmw when it came out but her sister got a jensen interceptor yeah and worst car on the planet earth i mean it never ran it was constantly she loved it but it was every other week it was broken it just yeah she finally had to give up on it but i've not thought about the gt in a long time yeah that car yeah i was coming out of left field you weren't expecting the jensen no i was expecting something creative from you doug but not that no not that at least the jensen interceptor had a had a chrysler v8 yeah a little better torque flight married to a torque flight you know Ah, you know cars. So yeah basically it was a gussied up mopar yep um so um but of course you know maybe british cars and we love them but but so that 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 did put it in the shop a bit but at least it had that with the jensen uh the jensen healy and then hence the gt you know you did have the uh the lotus inline four <laughs> that probably was uh that probably was not the not the best way for them to go, although a cool way for them to go. So anyway, I'm seeing is you know there's 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 uh, I, I'm a little unusual. I'm definitely I'm an, I'm a little bit of a vintage model at this point. Not exactly you know 40s vintage, but mm-hmm. a little bit older. And you know some some thoughts of being practical, but definitely definitely out of the box yeah well and fun nice answer to that question i (laughs) I like that brought up a memory uh that i hadn't thought of in a while so i think that's cool has there been a great book you've read in the last year or two that you'd like to share with our listeners that you really enjoyed oh yeah you know two books come to mind one and i gotta say two because one of them is car related and also print and the other one is the other one is not, but it's a book I think everyone should read. So the car related book is called Sex, Drink and Fast Cars. It's by the British design critic Stephen Bailey, a wonderful writer, very witty and kind of snarky in the best British tradition, but really a, a really, really interesting dive into the aesthetics of cars and why people like cars and what people look for in cars and how that shapes car design. 
in car marketing. And then the, the book that I read uh, fairly recently that I just really took me by surprise, I, it shouldn't have, of course, because it's one of the great books in the world, is War and Peace, ah. which is one of those books I always felt like, well, I guess I got to read that sometime. <laughs> but it's so long. Oh, I, mean, I know. It's it's tough to get through. There's a, uh, there's a new translation, probably the newest translation, by Richard Prevere and Larissa Vol. Volkonsky, I'm just reading it off the cover right now, which is really accessible and um, really fresh, makes it seem like particularly um, Tolstoy's brilliance about the human condition and about psychology. It just seems like something, you know, obviously you, you got the Napoleonic Wars, so it's it's not a contemporary setting, but the people are people that you can really relate to. All the all the interactions and the and the thinking and the way people relate and the the way they see the world is something that is it's very fresh, very contemporary to me. And it's, wow, what a book. I mean, this this guy just seems to pull together everything from the most cosmic metaphysical insights to the, the most uh, keen insights about how people are like in their smallest cells when they gossip and are mm-hmm. are and caddy to each other and um it just it's a it's a sweeping story it's an exciting story it's it's wonderful i thought even at 1400 pages there wasn't a word wasted nice toll story yeah iconic let's go on the ultimate drive here before i let you leave that means you get to pick any vehicle in the world to be in any person to be with living or deceased and anywhere to be driving what does your ultimate drive look like doug mm, okay so as far as my uh road buddies. I thought a bit about Bill Mata because what stories he would have to tell about that whole world of road and track. I, I also thought about Fitz and Van, our Fitzpatrick and Van Kaufman, who of course were the, the geniuses behind the uh, the Pontiac uh, ad campaigns of the of the sixties and seventies. They really did a lot. Their art did so much to also shape my car fantasies and and my vision of what cool art was Mm -hmm. but um i ultimately decided on dan gurney because he you know as an as as the an american racer having success on the european circuit as a kid um he was just plus his name was like mine um (laughs) i just i thought that he was the he was just the coolest thing in fact i had this big poster of his uh of his 1967 eagle westlake on my wall and there's a, it just said Dan Gurney on the bottom and I and I took some white out and I changed it <laughs> to Gorney. In fact, I used to tell I used to tell people that he was my he was my cousin. <laughs> but uh, but wow, what stories he would have about uh, winning Mons, Indy, and uh, winning in Formula One. I would want to ask him, you know, what was it like when you almost you know what was it like winning the Belgian Grand Prix in '67? What was it like when you almost then won the German Grand Prix at Nurburgring? But you, your car conked out on like the last, uh, the last second, the last lap. And you know, what was that like for you? And I want to ask him all about the innovations he had, such as the gurney flap and all the ways in which he he shaped racing as we know it today. And uh, he just he, he seemed like a really amazing guy. So I think he would be a great person. Of course, I would let him drive, and um, and we'd be driving a. One of my favorite cars in the whole world, which would be a 1965 Pontiac GTO. Mm-hmm. A goat. Got to be the convertible. Actually, if it's a hard dump, that's okay. Those look cool too. But um, uh, 
what a what a sharp looking car and i think you know the, the drive you have to take everyone has to take if you haven't done it you should take it is a drive uh, down highway one from san francisco to la particularly passing through like carmel and big sur so yeah, yeah how can you how can you pick anything else that's it's got to be that uh, you know, you picked two people here that I did not get on the show that had been scheduled, uh, Bill mm-hmm. Mata, uh, Mata, and then also Dan, the last year of his life. I had him scheduled many times, had to cancel. He was not doing well and just couldn't, went up for it. And uh, then we lost him. And I was so disappointed because I so wanted to talk to him. I met him several times at vintage events. When I was racing, he was always the kindest person. Uh, I've got a couple of his books that he signed for me, which was quite special for me, but that would be a pretty darn special ride for sure. Mm. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. You've taken us on a great ride today, my friend. I'd love for you to leave us with a parting word of wisdom, advice, a mantra, a success quote. Well, I got, uh, it, it has been a great conversation and it's allowed me to talk about a lot of, a lot of things that not just anyone in my family or my circle of friends is interested in, but is clearly, <laughs> clearly my passion. I would say that I guess the lesson that I'm learning, which I, if I have any wisdom to impart, it's this, that, you know, life is short, so try stuff. If you have a dream, you may surprise yourself with the way you can make things work. That's what I've learned. Um, mm-hmm. So just, just don't, don't be afraid to try your dreams on for size and yep. see how they work out. Great advice, most definitely. Best way for people to find you, is that your website? Two ways. My website is gorney.studio. It's not .com. It's .studio. G-O-R-N-E-Y dot studio. And then also uh, Instagram is a good uh, uh, portfolio of my art. And that's uh, my Instagram handle is Outer Avenues Art. If I may, uh, just wanted to give a shout out to Tony Uloa, who's the organizer of the SFOB Hot Rods, Customs, Classics meet. If you are in anywhere in the San Francisco Bay Area, you got to come check this thing out. It is so wonderful. I mean, the the uh, ocean beach in the morning uh, with just amazing cars appearing out of the mist and lining up. Um, it's it's a great experience, and he uh, does such a great job organizing it. And he's the they're big fans now of the Sunset Sketchers, so it's kind of a a love fest there. But uh, check out his Instagram too. As long as you're checking out my Instagram, check out his Instagram, which is SFOB Hot Rods. They, he, they do wonderful social media. These, these short little videos with like cool kind of rockabilly music and all these, these amazing cars passing by. Maybe you can uh, introduce me to Tony. We can get him on the show. How does that sound? You know, I would love to do that. I think he would be a great guest. Yeah, absolutely. I'll send my son who lives up there on the hill just by you uh, down to one of those events. Uh, I think he'll have some fun. Uh, attending that show. And next time I'm down there, I will definitely join him. It sounds like fun. Again, a big shout out to Gary Foster for introducing me to Douglas. Thank you, Gary. Absolutely. Gary is a great guy. Yeah, he's introduced me to some wonderful people. Douglas, or Doug, as your friends call you, thank you for being so generous today with your time and sharing your life with us. What fun you are having. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks so much, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.